0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash Elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, And Sportsman Drag Racing. We are live on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page as we record this Tuesday evening. So, welcome to those of you watching along in real time on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Welcome as well to those of you listening via traditional means on the podcast feed, wherever it is that you hear podcasts. As per usual, I am joined by my co host, Big Jib, Jared Pennington, who happens. This is this is the ultimate selfless podcast host extraordinaire. Big Jed is coming to us live on his 52nd birthday. Happy birthday, Big Jed! I
1: appreciate that, bud. I uh, I don't think this is much of a sacrifice at all. Um, You know, this is what we do. You know, we 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 power through it when we're sick. We work on our birthday. This is how we bring information and news to our hashtag loyal listeners so no big deal I mean 52 trips around the sun is a bunch of them it's not a
0: big deal at all but thank you I know what you said off there you're feeling the love on your birthday as we tend to do I hate to put you on the spot but is there any one particular moment that stands out about this birthday to this point
1: well, it, uh, it started first thing this morning when I woke up, um, you know, that the house is pretty quiet when I get up at, you know, in the 515 to 530 range and start getting uh, ready for work, jump in the shower and whatnot. And that my, my master bath here off the bedroom was just covered in amazing messages from my beautiful bride, uh, just sticky notes everywhere, all over the place. And <laughs> You know just you know wishing me happy birthday and, and just praising me just me you know I mean lifting me up first thing this morning got me got me freaking fired up now all that got ruined just as soon as I got to work but the day started really well
0: <laughs> that's awesome definitely a way to start the day on the right foot um, I mean did she did she tell you that she liked your butt or you look good naked or anything like that yeah, I mean, she told me, you know,
1: handsome 52 never looks so good. But that, I know none of that's true. But, you know, good for her for at least, you know, bucking up and saying it.
0: The steal an Alabama term for you. Bless her heart. <laughs>
1: yeah. Bless her heart for sure. No doubt about it.
0: Big Jed, birthday boy Jed coming to us live from Alabama. As you can tell if you're watching the live feed, I am in our motorhome. I am in Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol Dragway, Big Jet. I am full-on junior dad. I am living this life at the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: It looks like a blast from the outside looking in, Luke. Uh, Obviously, you know, you're there with Gary doing his thing at the Eastern Conference Finals, which is really awesome. Uh, It's probably a, a dream week or maybe even a little better for a lot of people that's been there for the better part of two weeks or will be when it's all said and done. But Looks like you guys are having a great time, Luke. I know you got a lot of junior um, This Is Bracket Racing members that are hanging out at the trailer. You guys are entertaining them. That interaction face-to-face is invaluable. So uh, I- I'm sure you guys are enjoying yourself a lot. And hopefully our man, Gary, turns on a few wind lights just to, to put some icing on the cake.
0: It's uh, it's our first ECF experience, um, both for me and for Gary. Obviously, we've been to Bristol on, on numerous occasions with his first conference finals. And at just 10, like I'm kind of uh kind of blown away. Like he understands that this is a different deal, right? Like elevated stakes, like and he's just he's really handling it well um to this point, just like super happy to be here. Like there's an attitude of gratitude. He thinks this is pretty awesome. And the setup that we've got here, as you mentioned, with our our this is bracket racing junior members we've got almost 50 of our of our junior members here in competition and they're constantly like we've got some stuff set up for our members here at the trailer we've got a practice tree kind of contest ongoing throughout the week we got some one of our members had some custom cornhole boards made for us so we're playing cornhole everybody's coming by we got a pizza party in a couple of nights and gary loves that our trailer is kind of the center of attention so a chance to uh to see all of these kids that he's interacted with on zoom calls you know for the most part that's that's how we do a lot of our interaction on this is bracket racing junior and this is bracket racing elite so he's got a lot of friends here that he'd never really met in person and um uh, so hey, cool. he been soaking all that in today's actually been his off day um the the older kids race today so so no action on track but it's been a cool time for us to catch up with a lot of those members. I've been doing some kind of uh, driver profile interviews with some of our junior members over on the "This Is Bracket Racing Junior" uh, Facebook page. I've shared some of those on the Bogaki Motorsports page. So if you want to check some of that out, we're having a ton of fun here. I hope that comes through in some of those broadcasts. But yeah, we're, we're living it up, man.
1: It sounds like Logan. I'm not trying to go too big picture or too too futuristic here, but uh, there's some there are some life long friendships being developed right now that that will last for decades upon decades so pretty cool stuff that the the kids have this platform to come together and they're coming together like i've seen kids from arizona there racing i mean the the kid family no no pun intended um you know they're they're all over the country with social media and the way you can stay connected to people nowadays truly they're developing friendships it's going to last decades or last their entire you know racing life if not their entire living life so really cool stuff
0: i'll be honest like i i from afar i I rolled my eyes at at this event in the past and i've gotten some flack like i've i I led this talking about junior dadhood like i've gotten text messages from some mutual friends jeff like you're really at bristol right like you are a full-on junior dad right I'm leaning into it. This is actually, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is really cool for the kids. Like it has very, and I can't imagine what it's going to feel like come Friday, Saturday. Like it's going to have very U S nationals type vibes, you know, and it just, you know, it's on an elevated platform and win, lose, or draw. I think that's good for the kids. Plus like, they're just here with, I mean, all of their racing friends from everywhere for the most part, you know what I mean? It's, it is yeah. a new deal, and you see them sowing those seeds. And on our end, as parents, that's fun to watch. And I don't really have to watch my kids all that much because they're plenty entertained. That's nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's actually, I don't have to worry about keeping up with my own car. Sometimes the juniors more work, but this is fun. I mean, granted, we're only, we got here late. We're two days in. So take my temperature three days from now. But right now, yeah, it's still, cool. I like it.
1: Well, it'll it'll be much like any of your own racing trips when it's all said and done. It there'll be a lot of good times, a lot of great memories. Uh, but the probably the the gauge for your enjoyment will will be tied to the amount of wind lights you see. I mean, if it doesn't go well, I'm sure that diminishes some of the good time. And if it goes really well, I'm sure that heightens it. So
0: uh, well, we would it without question, but we come we come in with very low expectations. So, well,
1: that's how I go to races every time, Luke. So,
0: that, <laughs> that helps a lot.
1: And so you got to go to third round or whatever. You're like, yeah, huge success. But
0: I beat two you know, of
1: them. I, but uh, I, I, I saw the ticket you posted uh, yesterday or day before where Gary was one red. And, you know, that was uh, that had to hurt just a little bit because it was a very winnable race. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you fall on the right side of a few of those and, you know, he gets in the middle of this thing. He'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's fun to watch. And he's he's capable. Like he can make as good a runs as any of the six to nine year olds here, which is not saying a whole lot, but it is fun. It's fun to watch it. That that class especially is there is some there's a lot of the stuff you see here resembles the packages we're used to seeing. The six to nine year old class does not typically. Right. And it is very much a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Who knows? Understandable. I mean, they're six to nine years old. So
0: exactly, I have no idea what I'm going to get from my lane. Much less (laughs) that. Yeah,
1: I couldn't even roll my Hot Wheels straight when I was (laughs) six. Kids are, you know, they're going 50 plus mile an hour. So good stuff.
0: (laughs) All right, so we teased it last week. the 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 premise of this show, the bulk of the show, we're going to get at least a little bit into the EV conversation on the heels of the the. The the worldwide web bleep storm last week surrounding the SFG race, Danny Hoff, and everything that went along with that. That's going to catalyze some of the discussion. We'll get to that. We've also got a little bit of news on the on the race promotion front. Some format changes, both from SFP, a, a, a fresh release from TV promotions. We'll touch on all of that at least briefly. But before we do, we, there was a little bit. It was a light week on track, but there was a little bit of on-track action last weekend. So before we go any further, let's start with that uh, one NHRA Lucas Oil Series event up in New Media. That was Division One. I'll give you the the Notes version here, Jed. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on it. But Keith Myers on Super Street. Shocker. It's actually, I think Keith was in the new, the new convertible. That thing's cool. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, you got to check that out. I assume that's what he was in. I think the switch this year was to that and, and out of the Porsche. Um, I don't even know what that thing is, but it's something unique. Like the Porsche, like, and it, it's, uh, it's been a long project, really cool car. I assume Keith was in that. He got the Super Street victory. Vince Mussolino was our top dragster winner for the second time this season. Vince, another familiar name on the, the big dollar bracket scene and in top dragster. I know it kind of brings up the a lot of the things we said about Chad Axford earlier in the season. Uh, a, a more of a bracket racer having some success in in the top dragster category. Does that catalyze a, a run perhaps at a national championship? Like Chad Axford, Vince is one that I don't think would shock anybody if he's in there uh, mixing it up for the world title close to the end of the season.
1: Oh, definitely would not shock anyone, uh, Luke. And, and this isn't shocking, but you know, if you look at the numbers in Top Dragster, there's some there's a glaring change in the length of the racetrack here. Um,
0: they didn't go all the way down, did they?
1: Obviously, they were only half track racing. I, I I don't know the the reasoning behind this, but it's it's interesting to see Top Dragster results with cars running low fours. So
0: I would, no. yeah, I think you're right. I don't think Vince Mussolino styled four twenty seven on the long track.
1: <laughs> no and marty jones uh was dialed uh, 417 so obviously they had to shorten that to, to eighth mile racing for some reason so maybe we'll get some answers on that at some point but
0: uh
1: i i kind of like that that's uh that's cool for me to see
0: It's the numbers that uh that correlate a little bit more to uh i mean the long track where you're from is 660
1: feet yeah, yeah that is a that is a full long racetrack and Anything past that is considered racing in the shutdown area, which we don't do. That's uh, that's not allowed.
0: Cool. The only other thing, and feel free to jump in at any point. The only other thing that stood out to me from the media was: Did you see the stock eliminator final?
1: I not till I saw the show notes.
0: David Pazak, D. Stock Automatic Vision One runner, he got the victory. He laid down 17 total in the final to knock off former NHRA world champion, Allison Dahl, who made an awful run in the other lane. Allison was 19 take two on the long track, like the actual 1320 long track off the bottom in stock eliminator. 19 take two is supposed to win. 19 take two did not win. And Allie was gnarly most of the day. A perfect light at a 001 light. Most of her lights in the teens, and 00s, 19 take two in the final comes up just a touch short
1: yeah her miss was 41 which was better than David Pazak's average Uh, yet he pulled that 10 dead 7 out in the final which is exactly what he needed to do great run by David but uh you know that if if Allison's looking at his box score and it wasn't terrible don't get me wrong it just wasn't as good as hers You know, she got by Aaron Allison. She got by Joe Santangelo, Larry Pappas. I mean, she went through a a pretty rough stretch of racers and made a killer run in the final only to come up short to pay Zach's 10 to 7. So tough lap there for Allie. But, uh, you know, I know she wouldn't do anything different. That's probably the run she was trying to make and just come up a little short there.
0: Triple Threat Series, on the big dollar bracket scene, the biggest event of the weekend, at least from a purse standpoint, was at Virginia Motorsports Park. This was the crown jewel of the Triple Threat Series. This is the middle event that boasts a $75,000 to win payday. And that even got elevated, Big Jed. They had some weather combined two days, which has become really par for the course. My wife and I were talking about this on the way to Bristol. Like I don't know that I can think of a marquee, big dollar bracket race in the year 2023 that hasn't been restructured at some point along the way due to weather or car count or something like the, the the flyer seems to be always be a work in progress like that's almost the flexibility on a promote from a promotional standpoint is a must in this day and age
1: yeah great point Luke it it's you know unfortunately the new normal
0: um you know you
1: we, we've seen this play out a time or two here or there over the years during a season, but this year it just seems like it is happening over and over. Uh, obviously the, the WFC that I'm involved in uh, was guilty of it. We we actually did it prior to the event due to massive car count expectation and then even had to adjust that with the weather and the, and the big car count that we had. So, um, you know, that's one of those things that, i think the more it happens the more people accept it but um that that i think that's appreciated by the racers i really do um you know they they want to finish they want to they want to see winners they want to be the winner potentially so i think racers understand when promoters do that uh, the reasoning behind it and they appreciate it i I saw nothing but good vibes coming from bmp uh, over that decision as well and you know not that seventy-five k and a and a twenty-five or thirty is is chump change, but something about that hundred k, I saw a lot of people posting. You know, racing for hundred k today. You know, they got excited about that addition to the to the to the uh, scheduled payout. So cool stuff, and that happened at our race. Racing for fifty k, you know, on the bottom. So I, I think, think racers
0: enjoy it. I think ultimately it just comes down to trust, like. Is, there is an element of, I want to go to this race because the structure outlined on the flyer is incredible, but there is also in this day and age, an element of like, it's going to be a massive car count and, or we're going to have weather like the flyer is obviously the guideline, but that could very well get flipped around right at some point. And I think it ultimately, in addition to the race looking great on paper and it being a format that you enjoy, I think ultimately the decision is how much do I trust this promoter to make awesome racer friendly decisions when things have to be adjusted. And just like you guys did, I think Tyler Crossno and that staff at VMP is obviously capable and well versed in that.
1: Great point. Yeah. I think the, the trust starts well before you get there. And, and then, you know, when you're making decisions and showing the, the desire to, to do everything you said you were going to do. And sometimes more, in some cases racers see that you, you don't, you don't Buffalo them with, with bull crap decisions. And, you know, they don't, uh, it doesn't go unnoticed when you make really good decisions and things that are in their favor. And, they see right through it either way. So I agree, Luke, I think, uh, as long as they trust you and you're, you're doing your best to deliver, uh, that that'll continue to gain their support
0: on the racetrack, that $100,000 combined main event, that purse ended up going home with one Joe who got the victory over Troy Williams. No, not that Troy Williams, not Troy Williams Jr. Mm -hmm. This was Virginia, Troy Williams, those in that area are very familiar with that name and his racing as well. But again, congrats to him, as well as Joe Barouche knocking down that big, big money out in the state of Virginia. The $30,000 race, which I believe was Friday's event, was won by Chris Ferguson. The Thursday $10,000 warm-up went to Kyle Hustwaite, a tremendous young second-generation racer. So congrats to all of the winners out at the NP.
1: Yeah, really good list of winners there. Um, looked like an overall great event. Tyler Crossno, as always, did his best to deliver everything he said and then some, and and just looked like everyone had a really good time. So, congratulations to to all the winners and you know Joe Baruch, 100K win is you know that that's something that we used to celebrate at the highest level. Uh, there's a lot of those type of events now, so you know hopefully. Joe understands exactly what he just accomplished because that's huge. It really is. Uh, Virginia Troy Williams, always a threat, especially in that part of the country, tough racer. But Joe he Bruce, did something really
0: special. He went to yeah. the flag. He understands what he did.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. He, he saw the deposit slip, but um huge accomplishment. So congratulations, Joe, and and uh, everybody there at BMP. Great calls by Tyler and the group uh, Luke, there were more, there was more, um, you know, big bucks racing um, at, uh, at Muncie Dragway. Uh, there was some scheduled for Holly Springs, but I think that got postponed quite a bit of weather down here in this part of the country. But uh, up there at Muncie, the uh, May Race Carbs triple 12s looked like a, a really good success. They had a great crowd up there and um, some guys that went a lot. Everywhere they go, but especially in that part of the country. And one Steve Collier, Luke, I know you know what Steve did, but that is an impressive, impressive dude.
0: He is that. And just on the West May and that team, like I've not had the opportunity yet to attend an event that he puts on, but I hear nothing but good things. It's another – racer promoting racer friendly events and it just seems like by all accounts they do a tremendous job up there this one the purse probably isn't elevated enough that it would be something that we would normally talk about but after seeing on steve collier's performance it's one that we couldn't not talk about he he rolls through the no box side of the field big jet wins the no box portion falls into the main event in friday's twelve thousand dollar race advances all the way to the final world short to chase mckay that for most mortals would be a tremendous weekend in and of itself steve collier is not most mortals he rolls back around two days later in the sunday main event once again rolls through the no box portion once again falls into the main event once again advances to the final this time to seal the deal getting a win over his good buddy and another tremendous racer from that region josh pickett steve collier runner up in the first 12 grander Winner of the last 12 grander all off the bottom in a get-up truck. Sing the praises of one Steve Collier.
1: Luke, I I watched a little bit of this, and Friday was an 18K. It looked like there was weather coming in for Saturday, so it looked like they made it an 18K Friday and an 18K Sunday. And then Saturday looked like they got uh, a big break in the weather, a bigger break than anticipated. And it looked like they had some type of all run race for 6,000 on Saturday. So I think that the 18s bookended that. So
0: Okay, um, so Steve did even better than I let on.
1: Steve did more gooder than, than, you, uh, than you thought he did, yes. Uh, but interesting of note, when it got down to the final three in no box, Steve was two of those. And uh, paired himself, so uh, the the by run uh, went to obviously to the the third remaining competitor, and uh, Steve had to had to eliminate himself at three. So well,
0: what you're telling me is the only racer that beat Steve Collier was Steve Collier
1: in the no box side. Yes, on Friday, uh, of course, coming up runner up in the event uh, to to Chase McKay was the only other racer that got by him, but they were aided by a delay box. And uh, so anybody that was hitting the bottom bulb was not able to, to take Steve out on Friday. Impressive performance, then comes back on Sunday and, and goes to the, you know, goes to the final again, gets it done over the always tough Josh Pickett. Josh was an old bottom bulb guy that uh, has competed a lot with us and, and you know, bottom bulbed all around that area of the country has switched over top bulb and doing it very well. Uh, Josh and his little S10, always a threat. So, really cool to see that for him. And really cool to see Steve Collier get it done. And uh, Tyler Leach, I think, won Saturday's uh, $6,000 to win race. And uh, they had the um, Steve Dillman 64 car shootout and uh, i can't remember who won that one but it was a it was an awesome race too that got worked in there on saturday so lots of great racing um you know interesting facility muncie's uh muncie's a little different i know you've been there um just a really cool place with a little bit of grass median you know down track between the lanes and maybe the left lane's a, a little higher than the right So gives you a little different look. It's just a, it's a cool place, uh, interesting place. I don't
0: think there's a grass median anymore, but there, the last time I was there, there is definitely an elevation change from right to left.
1: Well, there's a grass median maybe past the finish line. I don't know. There's definitely still some grass out there. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, but cool place, definitely cool place uh, with with the elevation of one lane, and the finish line uh, gives you a little different look from lane to lane. Uh, You gotta, you gotta take too much in one lane to take nothing, and Take nothing in one lane to take too much, so it's, uh, it's a pretty cool place. But all in all, it looked like a great event. Uh, Wes May and all the folks there at uh, at Muncie uh, looked like they had to track on keel and just kept things rolling, uh, did a great job. So congratulations to Steve Collier and the other winners and certainly Wes May and, and his crew. The announcing was good. It was, a, it was a fun event to watch what I got to tune in on uh,
0: Motor Mania. It's, uh, it's been a few years, so I don't even remember which lane it was that's slightly elevated, but that was the lane I wanted to run it once. You just felt like you were in a dominating position looking down on your opponent.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be looking it, up. Left lane is elevated.
0: Yeah, so. that's what I was thinking. I think it was It is so. the
1: more taller lane,
0: yeah. The more taller. Corey Brenton was the name you were looking for. Corey Brenton was the winner of that uh, <laughs> yes. Steve Dillman Memorial Shootout. Uh, awesome event, too, in, in memory of one of the true legends and, and – just good all around good guys in our sports. So cool to see that happen. I'm sure that was a special moment for everybody involved. Corey Brent getting that victory. Um, All right. You mentioned Holly Springs was postponed. Uh, I think they're going to make that race up in just a few short weeks. That's one of Chad Axford's flat bill promotions events. So look forward to that and discussing it in some magnitude on the show. But we teased this a little bit a week ago, Jed. We had Danny Hoff raising some eyebrows at the SFG event. So, I, just to maybe set the table, I, I don't necessarily want to debate whether or not electric vehicles should be a part of what we do in, in bracket racing, period, and specifically big dollar racing. But just to kind of um, set the tone for the conversation, a little bit of baseline that for anybody that hasn't been. Following this, or hasn't been involved in events where EV vehicles are are allowed to participate, or just hasn't been to a race in which there are EV vehicle, uh, electric vehicles participating, give me the argument you you began to spell it out last week from a promoter standpoint. Give me the argument to exclude electric vehicles from today's race.
1: Well, Luke, obviously, I'm speaking. Solely from a bottom ball perspective, as those are the events that I I co-promote with Steve Stites, and we we allowed them uh, for the last couple of years, and you know that's been just basically because I didn't feel like I had enough information to exclude them. So I was I told everybody, and I got asked quite a bit, "You're going to allow these cars to race?" And I I answered that with. Yes, because I don't have any concrete evidence that shows why they should be excluded. So I, I took it upon myself to educate myself a little more on the cars last year at the Labor Day event, because typically I only had one at the race that last year at Labor Day, I had three. So I, I tried to learn a little bit more about the cars and quite frankly, Luke, they're, they're so sophisticated that it, it was beyond my comprehension level for mm-hmm. just to, the short stance that I got to, to dive into them and try to figure out what's going on. The, the cars have some things they're capable of that we would not allow in any other vehicle at the event. So that started the thought process that maybe... They shouldn't be allowed just yet. Maybe, maybe they're too far advanced for grassroots foot brake racing, or at least at the level that we're doing it. So, you know, they've got onboard GPS Um, They're You know, I watched one go, I watched one go, and I don't know the numbers exact, but it was like 612 at 121 miles per hour. You know, right off the street, drove it from South Florida. And, you know, in Bristol, but that doesn't matter because it's not aspirated. So
0: elevation
1: doesn't mess with them. No, elevation didn't didn't seem to affect it. He went 612 at 120 or 121, and he also went 625 at 120 or 121. So folks will say, "Okay, no big deal. Tesla is what they do. But how does that happen? How do you make it do that? was the question that I had that I didn't really get to ask or get answered. So that, you know, that type of stuff, seeing that, it just it just put me in a position where I just wasn't sure we could tech them the same way we tech everyone else. You know, what do we look for? You don't know what to look for. They say you really can't get into those things and change anything in the computer because Tesla keeps you from being able to do that. It's what I've heard from some so-called experts, but there's something in the program that, that that driver could change and change his ET, but not change his mile per hour. So just found the whole thing a little too complex for the amount of support they offer. Now, is that Danny Hoff got on me last week? I meant Danny Hoff. George Hoff got on me last week, said that's the easy way out, Jed. I get that. I get that it can look like a cop-out, but the the mission is to stay as true as we can to our core customer that, that that who's built our business and turned it into what it is. So when I take all that into consideration, the unrest that it causes with some in the pits, and that's only what I heard about. I really don't know what I what I haven't heard about so when you take all that into consideration Luke and and the things they're capable of that everybody wouldn't get away with I just felt like it was best to to stop them from being able to to come to the event at least for now and and let us let us try to understand them a little better or let you know let us try to figure out if they if they need to fit in their own event or fit in with us all that was just again beyond my level of comprehension And, and it felt like it was the best decision for our event and our core customer. I know you said, I don't really need all the reasons why you don't, why you ban them or whatever, but it was all part of the decision.
0: No, I think that the, and I think that's a very reasonable decision on the other side of the coin. I think the arguments for inclusion are equally reasonable and that being like, this is a, This is a vehicle that you can literally drive off the car lot, drive to the racetrack, run in the sixes in a lot of cases, um, with completely factory equipment. And while it, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that the average electric vehicle is like a far more consistent race car than the average street car, but also not necessarily as consistent a race car as a purpose-built race car. Now we went through <laughs> Craig Merrily's being the, the prime example, and it was one specific event, admittedly, that we targeted. We talked about this after Craig won the um NHRA World Finals last year in Las Vegas. And over like a three-day span, we read off the numbers. I mean, his car moved like four thousandths of a second to the eighth mile, right? Over the course of three days in a streetcar um running in the sevens in the eighth, right? And that's not normal anywhere, much less Vegas. So the idea being like, I don't think there's any question that someone far smarter smarter than I, far smarter than you could get in, figure out the technology that is available, figure out a way to apply it to what we're doing and have a tremendous race car. At the same time, I, I and while I'm, I'm leery of that, right as a as a competitor. And I think we're all just um, hesitant to accept change in any regard. I also don't think it's fair at all to take out the this aggression or misunderstanding from a competitor standpoint on the drivers of these EV vehicles like they're out here doing what they can. They're on the the cusp of of innovation. Like we don't see all the stuff that didn't work. We see the stuff that did right? And that's no different than anyone anywhere along the way. So I think that discussion is separate of the um, the promoter discussion, like whether or not to allow these vehicles, like once they're allowed, you can race with them. period, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't think that whether it's Danny Hoff, who was the, the brunt of this, uh, you know, a week ago, or Craig Merrily's or anyone else, like, if they're racing within the rules, as stated, and they're trying to figure this stuff out, like, Maybe they have a better car than some. Maybe they don't have as good a car as others. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't really understand. I do understand because I think we're all just fearful of what we don't know and what we don't understand, but I don't think it's fair to take that vitriol out on these competitors.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And as I said last week, you know, the the community we, we live in for, with racers, we tend to condemn what we don't understand. You know, that I was around when the delay box was invented and first thing right. they're like, no, oh, that's bull crap, man. You don't even have to, you don't even have to cut the light anymore. This thing will do it for you and, and look where it's gotten to. So I think eventually we're going to to have a level of acceptance for these type of vehicles. But for now, I, I just I'm not sure where they fit in with what we do. Now me as a racer look, I mean You you know, anybody's apt to beat me their fair share when we pull to the line, but line me up with those things round after round, and I'm going to win my share or more with a purpose-built race car. You know, and that's not anything against the drivers. I think those things just offer a slight level of inconsistency with their staging and, and trying to be consistent at the tree to where just at least from what I've seen and they had good drivers don't get me wrong they they were good drivers in those things and they understand the limitations but I just feel like I can get a level of consistency in my hot rod that, that they can't quite reach yet so I'm saying let me race them you know I saw some pretty good equipment at Bristol when they were there The the, one of the things that bothered me was we'd all know Bristol offers you some weather changes that you don't always see coming and it'll change things. There's that round where everybody slows up two numbers and, you know, those guys aren't, they're not susceptible to, to that weather change. Um, They don't, they don't move at the same rate. So that bothered me a little bit, but I still think, you know, the Lucas Walkers of the world, nasty Nicks of the world, their car didn't move as much as the EVs did. So, you know, if you got good stuff, you got good stuff. But regardless of all that, you know, I, I just, I said last week that they wasn't, they were not worth the hassle that, you know, people come to you, man, you know, this car can do this, this car can do this. And I'm like, I don't understand those cars that well I did not know it was capable I didn't know that that it had a screen that could show you where the opponent is you know and how do I keep them from using that I don't I don't think I can keep them from using it I don't I don't think I can monitor that or limit that so whether they're using it or not I didn't know but you know that's that's stuff that, that you just You know, you wouldn't allow if you knew it was in the car and you knew it was being used, you wouldn't allow it in any other vehicle there. So for those reasons, not just solely on that, but for those and and more, you know, we we made the decision we made. But I want those guys included. It was a good group of guys. They were enjoyable to be around. They need 50 amp plugs. (laughs) That was that was a bit of a, a challenge, you know, many more of those things we would have, we would have run out of power at Bristol, but, um, but for the most part, it's a great group of, of racers. I appreciate what they're doing. I enjoy the fact that they're trying to get out there and compete and they're doing it a little different way, but it just, it just was not something that we felt like we could, I don't want to use the word control, but we we couldn't um, we couldn't restrict them to the same rules that everyone else was restricted to. And for that, we we just made the decision we made. So I hope we find a way to include those guys in all classes. And I hope there's enough of them at some point that, you know, we can separate them, you know, like door cars and dragsters, EVs and and naturally aspirated, you know, uh, EVs to the lanes. but. Until then, it's probably going to be rough on the, that group that, that chooses that that car as their car of choice.
0: It's funny you bring that up because that's really where I wanted to go with this conversation is what does the, the future hold, like both short term and long term? And obviously, we're we're guessing on that. But at the same time, I think most often when we think about the future, we're best served to look at the past and you brought up the parallel. I hadn't really even thought through the parallel of the introduction of the delay box, but I, this, that kind of falls in line similar to the parallel that I did. And that was electronic fuel injection, like specifically in, in stock and super stock, right. That comes along and keep in mind, like, this is how antiquated we are as a group. And I'm obviously including yourself and myself in this, right? Like we are convinced that we have race cars that are on the cutting edge of technology. 95% of us still still depend on carburetors that were introduced 60 years ago, right? <laughs> 70 years And I think that's the deal, right? And carburetors are a lot smarter than I think most people give them credit for. But regardless, so the EFI stuff becomes available, becomes prevalent, obviously, from the manufacturers and be- begins to be accepted. And I'll just take back to Stock Eliminator because back in that time frame, like late 1990s, is actually dabbling in stock, stock Eliminator. And at first they just said, bring them in, right? Like, well, welcome. And immediately or almost immediately, seemingly immediately, it became very obvious that the horsepower factors were way off on the EFI cars. And we were having heads up runs with you know your traditional muscle cars in which the traditional muscle car did not stand a chance, right? And they're trying to refactor the horsepower and they're trying to catch up with all of this new technology the racers are trying to learn it, the, the the tech officials are trying to learn it and and get a grasp on it, kind of similar to where we are right now with the EVs. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And there's so few racers or promoters or um, tech inspectors that, that understand what these things are even capable of, much less how to how to try to rein that in and police it, right. So I think that's where NHRA was in that time. And so it didn't take but a couple of years and they realized like, hey, we just got to separate this like the, the, the EFI cars need their own class. And at the time, that seemed like it was the long term solution. When in reality, we did that for a decade or more to where we understood what we were working with, both the racers and the sanctioning bodies, and then reined it back in. And ultimately, it all came back in together. Mm-hmm. Like, my assumption is that this progression is going to look something like that. Like, we have to go through this stage where we just bring them in and then realize, oh, we've messed up. Right. Like these things are capable so much. We don't even understand it. We're going to have to separate them. And then years down the road, maybe that's five years from now, maybe it's 20 years from now. Who knows? We've all got a better understanding of what's available, what's what's what these things are capable of, how we can integrate them back together. And I think that that's the end result. But again, like when that day comes and how we get there, I have no idea. But if I was to take a long term thought, like I bet it looks something like that.
1: Yeah, Luke. I I didn't even think of it in in those terms, but uh, it sounds very similar to to what we're dealing with right now. Uh, you know, the electronic fuel injection offered so many uh, advancements from carburetors, and you know, being able to to make the car run with some consistency. But you know, they had to use computers or laptops or some kind of programmer to do it, and that was taboo. You know that. These and guys
0: think back too, to, to 30 years ago, how scared we all were of EFI, like, oh, that's going to reinvent this whole game. You're going to be able to just yeah. dial a number into the computer. They're going to be so consistent, right? And now here we are 30 years later and the vast majority of bracket cars, like there's no shortage of people that have tried it and gone right back to the carburetor. Like, I don't know that EVs will, be, will have that same effect, right? And maybe it's just that we're too stubborn or too ignorant to figure out how to use that stuff to our best advantage. But there's enough smart people in this that if the EFI thing was better, legit better, it would be more popular right now. Right. So I, again, I don't know. I'm not, not to say that that's going to parallel the EV thing. Like there may, but I think right now we're in that state of fear where we just don't understand it. We're like, oh, well, that's going to turn this world around. Like you're not going to be able to win with worse than a 5,000 package if we allow EVs. like it's pretty obvious, like Danny Hoff's one that's been very transparent with, with everything. Like he posts his logbook on Facebook, right? And what he's racing is obviously far superior to any streetcar that I've ever driven. But it's no better a race car than my Vega or your Nova. You know what I mean? So not to say that it couldn't get there. That we're at the beginning of that technology. But I think right now there's this attitude of fear and it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of the things that we don't understand that to this point doesn't seem to be completely warranted.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, the 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 lack of understanding and and knowledge about that product just scares people. You know, Luke, if if we had them at our event and we we felt like somebody could be doing something wrong, but we wasn't sure. I don't know what we do about it. Couldn't do a darn thing about it. You wouldn't know. There's nothing you know how to plug into it. You wouldn't know how to trace anything back. You don't know anything about these cars. So, you know, that that kept us again from from being able to allow them. Um, once we all learn a little more, maybe there's there's going to be some inclusion level that that uh, works for everyone. And, you know, I wouldn't blame them a bit if we ever get to the point at Coburg Racing Promotions events where we say, all right, guys. Uh, we we've you know done our research. We we think we understand, and we're ready for you to come back. And they say thanks, but no thanks. Uh, you kicked us out, and uh, we'll we'll choose to do something different and go somewhere else. Wouldn't blame them a bit. But I'm hopeful one day we can can get everybody that that wants to be there legally to to be there and compete. Because uh, I know those guys desire to be on the big stage, and I'd love for them to be on the big stage, but I think that's still a ways out. If you want to know the truth, I, I don't. I don't think it's within the next five years for sure, Luke.
0: The uh, you think back to like you had mentioned the delay box, like that takes the other tact. Like uh, in what we do, unlike unlike EFI, at least to this point, like the delay box legit changed the game, right? And it legit made people and racers and race cars that weren't necessarily competitive extremely competitive, right? So that was like a, a legitimate field altering thing, but and yet. It got handled in much the same way. Like in pockets of the country, delay boxes were outlawed. In pockets of the country, like where I grew up, they didn't have a class where you couldn't run a delay box. We had the street class, and people had delay boxes on the dash of their street vehicles plugged in. You know what I mean? Like, so that whole crazy progression, like, there's going to be some remnants of that as well that I think fall into this EV. It'll be fascinating to see where it goes. But I think there is a, a, again, I'll fall back to like, there's a time period of this feeling out where everything's included. And then I think there's an inevitable separation that ultimately leads to a reconciliation, but the time frame of when that happens, that yeah, your guess is as good as mine.
1: You know, uh, I have seen Luke, uh, a form of a trans break that has been developed for a junior dragster. And, you know, delay boxes, if you can trans break it, in some form or fashion then the delay box will come into play and you'll be able to make that work uh i I dread the day that that someone tries to make all that work and you know ruin that class so um we we found a way we we typically find a way to make the unknown or or never seen before thing work in our sport and there's many many examples of that in today's race car i'm hopeful that that evs fall into that category at some point and and they're again included at every level that uh that we compete in you know what the things we talk about on this show but again i don't and i'm not trying to be you know, negative Nancy here, but I don't see that happening in the next five years. Uh, I see more exclusion than I do inclusion. And, um, you know, I hope somebody proves me wrong. I hope hope we get it all worked out where where we can look these cars over properly and make sure that they're adhering to all the, the same rules everyone else is. But um, that looks like it's a ways out.
0: No, and it it does circle back to something that we've talked about here before. And I think that the, the the footbreak category is perhaps a little bit different discussion. But when you begin to allow electronics, like the the line of what's acceptable and what's not as technology continues to advance like that line is arbitrary in some in some respects, like it is I don't think it's as objective as people want to think. And so it will be interesting to see as this integration at some point happens, like where does that line get drawn or where does it move to? Like I've always threatened, like eventually it's just going to have to be throw your hands up in the air and everything goes. Like we can't police all of this. But where do we draw that line? Like what can we police? And particularly as technology continues to advance and fewer and fewer of us truly understand it. I don't have any answer for this. I don't even want to speculate, but it will be interesting to watch how that line of delineation, what's okay and what's not shifts over time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That will definitely be interesting. And, you know, I don't know. um, I don't know when that'll happen or or who will be the, who will be leading that charge. But, um, you know, again, we've excluded them from our events, but I'm all for whomever takes the reins and, and leads the EV discussion and inclusion back into racing in the next level and and gives us all the, the tools we need to be able to to again just make sure everybody's playing on the up and up. And um, until then, let's, you know, hope they hope they have the EV nationals. And I know they they've got their own category in NHRA sportsman competition. And, you know, maybe that'll lead to to them being able to have their own events at some point somewhere um i would even like to i'd even like to promote that i think that's a i think that's some cutting edge stuff i'd like to i'd like to have the ev world nationals at uh, at st
0: louis i think that'd be awesome i think it might do better further west just just my <laughs> I was, talking, I was well. when we were having this discussion i think i mentioned last week like i feel like i got a little bit of insight on this because the aforementioned danny hoff is a member of this is bracket racing elite he kind of at our request kind of took over one of our live chats last week just to talk through from his perspective and uh, a couple of our, our west coast members were like yeah man it's it's really a big thing out here like we got guys with EV 55 Chevrolets, you know, that they've, they've taken and, and transplanted and transformed. Like, have you seen any of that? I'm like, no, that, that, that hasn't hit, that hasn't hit Illinois yet. I ain't seen that yet. <laughs> it may be coming, but I ain't seen it yet.
1: Uh, it- Gardendale, Alabama just got its first, um, just got its first power grid for, for the, the quick stops and, and plug ups. And I, when I said, I'd like to have that at St. Louis, I immediately thought, after you said further west, I thought, you know, I, I'm either going to need to rent uh, like a hundred kW or maybe even a hundred thousand kW generator, and and have a lot of plugs coming off of that sucker, because I'm not sure we're going to find enough plug ins to have the, have the world finals or world nationals for that category. So it could be a problem. I, let me let me work on my format a little more.
0: Yeah, let's, let's think on that a little bit more deeply, um, a couple of quick hitters before we get out of here, uh, our friends over at TV promotions, they had their entry release for their final event, I believe final event of 2023, Kitty grander at Kilcare, I know that that was available today, I have not seen where that's sold out yet. Um, but I assume that that is filling quickly. So uh, if you have any intentions of getting to Kilcare, might put that on the calendar, make sure we get entered in that sooner than later. Um, the, uh, and then we saw Jed, I've been a little bit unplugged uh, because of the, uh, obviously what I'm, what I'm doing here in Bristol and actually producer Mark just chimed in 60-ish entries left as we record on Tuesday evening. So if you're on the live feed, you might be able to jump on that. If you're catching this come Friday via podcast, odds are won't be any opportunity left to get in there. So good on them. Once again, another strong release for the TV promotions crew and Jed, I'll let you kind of take the reins on explaining this, but my, my understanding, our friends at SFG announced a, a change in format for the upcoming event in Rockingham my apologies to them. I don't, I don't remember the title, the name of that particular event, but it sounds like on the cursory, Jed, the one thing that I praised them for last week, those 50 granders with the incredible round money that looked like such a value for the racers. That's getting flipped on its head.
1: (laughs) Well, I didn't look at over Luke, to the point where I knew exactly, know exactly what the round money was doing. I just know at the top, it was going to be three fifties, I believe. And they've changed that to, uh, I think a 30, a 60 and a 30. Uh, so 120 total at the top versus 150 total, there was an impact all the way down. Uh, but obviously it costs less to race it as well. So uh, look like Kyle and his team made the decision to and, and they promoted it this way to try to, to make it a little more affordable um, for, for racers. I, I think probably they you know they realized uh, their previous event was for the high rollers and and that probably beat some checkbooks up a little bit. Luke, I think the most interesting part to me for their new format was that they've added, so this was capped at 450 for the, the, the 30 60 30, and they've added 200 uh, slots for footbreakers to jump in there and race with them as well for, I think, 5-10-10, if I remember correctly. Good payout, real good payout for, for footbreak racing. Uh, And I, I think it said foot break, but I don't know if it was foot break or no box, but either way, um, you know, opening up the doors for, for more people to, to come join their, their races and participate and compete. bottom
0: ball deal being completely independent of the.
1: Yes. It's on purse, not, not rolling. in. you know, the, the challenge there that I see is if you feel, if you feel both. Uh, categories you've got 650 racers and uh you know that that can be a challenge uh, definitely a challenge when you you got three days to to come to complete three events so or three race days so um but you know if anybody can run the cars through uh they can uh, sfg's seen their share of monster crowds so they'll get it done i'm sure but, um so foot brake racers if you if you want to choose that option you know and race for some really good money at a at a high level event um um definitely um uh an event that's going to get a lot of attention a big stage if you will then um maybe there's an option there for you
0: that's an interesting um take and i wasn't prepared for this i didn't i didn't necessarily see that coming in Tra- traditionally and and i feel like there have been exceptions but if you follow along traditionally I feel like big dollar bottom ball races have traditionally not worked in conjunction with big dollar top ball races. Like, I don't know if it's the idea of we're not the priority, right, as bottom ball racers, or simply the idea of like, look, I don't want to sit around all day and it'd be four or five rounds, four or five hours between my rounds to race for, you know, a, a great purse, but you know, it's not like, it's not like, my footbreak deal is the reason that everyone's here. Everyone's watching, right? I don't know what the exact reasoning is, but it seems like in as much as it seems like that should work in conjunction with one another, it traditionally hasn't with the the most glaring exception, I would say being the, the, the loose rocker events that the, the Michael Beard, Anthony Walton events of years past. And my impression on those was that when it was good, kind of to your earlier point, it was too good. Like there was just, there was, so many cars spread out across two classes. It was. It became a difficult to make the event happen. Right. So, I don't know if anybody can figure this out. Like we said before, Kyle Riley thinks outside of the box, um, and he may be able to pull all of this together. But tradition hasn't 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 looked kindly upon that format. I guess.
1: Yeah, and, and I think Footbreakers over the years, Luke, at at events all around the country or regions, um, you know, they when things had some, when they had something go wrong at the event and things had to change when the promoter had to really break down and say, all right, I've got to finish something. (laughs) You know, I think the footbreakers typically have got the short end of that stick. So, you know, Kyle will have the challenge to make sure that doesn't happen and make sure people don't feel like that could happen and, and limit participation. So he's, he's got a little bit of a sale to put out there to, To let people know, you know, it'll be equal playing ground. I think what Loose Rocker did very well was they had the top and bottom racing basically for the same thing. I think for the most part, they they had the same format for both of them. Where this is obviously very heavy, super pro uh, participation expected as well as purse. So, but again, I'm sure Kyle and the gang will will make that work out, and Footbreakers get another opportunity to race for some really good money at a at a great facility. So. I'm sure that's going to go go well and I look forward to seeing how it plays out late September.
0: Yeah, I think the challenge it's fair to say from a promotional standpoint is how do you pitch this in a way that does not make that foot racer feel as though they're going to be an afterthought right when the, yeah. the person is a fraction of the the top hole person, and the car count probably a fraction of it as well. Um, just to circle back to the the decision uh, to to. Uh, spread that purse around a little bit. The the three fifties with tremendous round money to the thirty sixty thirty format. As we talked about, like as from a racer standpoint, those fifties were freaking awesome, right? Like I don't think that that, that that enough of us took attention or or that they got enough credit for that. That being said, the the support for them was fine, but it wasn't tremendous. And as much as I would prefer that format more. I wasn't there supporting it, right? And what SFG largely built its following and its reputation on was a lower price point, a lower entry fee, right? Was when you increase round money, that money's got to come from somewhere, right? A lower entry fee, big purses on top, maybe not necessarily tremendous payback, but low price point, multiple entries, a lot of racing, big money on top. And that worked, right, for years and years. Now, I don't know that 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 change alone at this point, like, I don't think they're going to flip this around and have 600 cars at Rockingham, you know, like the, the, the glory days of a few years ago, but I understand the motivation behind making that move. And I, I'm not going to be critical, critical of it. Like, I don't think they're wrong, like as simplified as it is to say, and as much as I would like to think as racers, we've advanced past this point, the joke, the running joke for years was like, nothing matters, but what the winner's purse pays and the entry. Nobody looks at anything else. And I'd like to think we've all passed that. Like this was a, the, the, the 50 granders at stand at, uh, at Michigan, that was an awesome format for the racers. And it wasn't particularly well supported this format. I don't, I don't think, again, it's very subjective from a racer's standpoint. Like, I don't think it's as good a deal, but it's cheaper and it, it's a bunch of money to win and I would be willing to bet that they get a bigger crowd. So that's not wrong.
1: No, absolutely isn't wrong. And, you know, again, Luke. nobody really knows what goes into the decision making process, but nobody's got their ear to the, to the ground of the SFG customer like Kyle does. And Kyle might've heard over and over and over. The reason I didn't go to Michigan was because the entry fee was just a little out of my comfort zone. I, you know, I don't always care exactly what I'm racing for. I want it to be good but it don't have to be fifties. I don't, I don't have to win the most this weekend of anybody in racing. You know, I just want to win a good solid purse that, that, you know, gives me a great return on my investment for the day or the weekend. So that might've been what Kyle was hearing and he responded to his customers with uh, a more affordable version of the event. So, you know, I'm sure that, that he had very solid reasons for doing what he did and, Definitely hope that it leads to to more gooder crowds for him and and you know gives him the participation level that he needs to to make it financially successful for for him and his team.
0: We will see how it plays out. I'm sure we will be analyzing it in depth as it does, because that's what we that's how we do, y'all. Yes, we-
1: sometimes too much. Sometimes we get too deep. And um, you know, I get I get hate mail. And so I, I'm trying to be. I'm trying not to sound so damn mean, Luke. I mean, I apparently I sound mean sometimes and I apologize. So
0: yeah, it is your birthday. You sound however you want, I mean.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do here on the show. But uh, speaking of my birthday, there's been quite a bit of birthday love on the on the chat line here uh for the show. So everybody that that reached out and said something, I appreciate it. Um definitely have again felt the love all day and feeling it here on the show uh, jj told me i didn't get to tune in jj told me george uh, atchison jr on going bracket racing sang happy birthday to me i might have to go back and watch that because i mean i want to hear george do some singing i don't know if jj reported that accurately but uh but i'm going to find out for sure and, and put some uh put some validation on that
0: or i was just say, i mean like this doesn't sound fair because i know you would sing for me. I'm not singing for you, but I was going to throw that out there, and I realized George Ashton Junior. far out there. Yeah, he,
1: he took his slack, so it's all good. It's um not- And uh and yeah, I saw Chad Wise Carver saying uh, the the EVs need to do what the rest of us do and bring a generator. So yeah, maybe maybe they do, uh, Chad. Chad. Chad had the long stick car at the WFC this year, Luke, uh, a a little uh, uh, Cavalier or or Cobalt. I apologize, Chad. I can't remember exactly, but so much fun to watch. I was actually uh, with someone today and watched a video of it. He said, you see this car at the World Footbrain Challenge? In-car video. Looks like such a good time. So appreciate that, Chad. And again, thank you all for the birthday, love. Appreciate it so much. Uh, That wraps us up for tonight. Luke is live from the uh, Eastern Conference Finals Junior Dragster event at Bristol Dragway. So I know we're going to hear some more about this next time we get together and and uh, and put a show out. I'm looking forward to hearing it, and I, I hope we hear some great results from the this is bracket racing junior participants that are there. I know they've already done well, Luke. So I know you're proud of the the group that uh, that has signed up for your program and all the great things you guys are doing together. Uh, as you said, they were talented before they signed up. Hopefully you're just helping them get to that next level and maybe fix something that uh, that they've had issues with. And there's uh, there's room for more juniors there when it's time to sign back up for that. So um, you guys can help your, your young ones improve their program through this is bracket racing as well. So Luke, good luck to you guys, you and all your members. I think, uh, think you guys are going to continue to post great results. Um, if you, if you had something you want to talk about, about this show, about a past show, a show that we should do in the future, there's a place to do that. It's right here where you're watching on the sportsman drag racing podcast Facebook page. You can tune in right here. You can post whatever you got to say, just like everybody does, or, if you're a little shy, you can send it private message, and producer Mark will snag it up and say, "Hey guys, check this out right here." So we look forward to seeing what you have to say and hearing from you anytime you feel compelled to let us know. Luke, I mean, you, there's a lot happening here. You're you're in the middle of the ACF. Did did we have any shouts or you can skip
0: Shouts to uh, to C Pop. Carter Poplowski, shouts to Parker DeWeese. They were two This Is Bracket Racing Juniors members squaring off in the final round last night here in Bristol for $5,000. Nice. So good on them. Shouts to Kern. Kearney, led off the weekend with a win. Uh, another one of our members. Lots of, lots of kids out here doing the work. So, yeah, shouts to my junior peeps. That's all I got. Shouts to Man, you. Man, that's awesome. For podcasting Perfect. on your
1: birthday. I appreciate that, Luke. You let me off a little early tonight. I appreciate that. I'm going to go enjoy a delicious fried bologna sandwich. For my birthday.
0: Birthday dinner.
1: If you think I'm getting slided for dinner, you couldn't be more wrong. This was my hope, my dream, and my number one wish for my birthday dinner. Fried bologna, make it dark. Let's get some lettuce, tomato, mayo, and pickle on that bad boy. It's gonna be amazing. I can't wait. Um, guys, we also tweet. We're active on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We'd love to hear from you there as well. I see some more birthday love. Appreciate that. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag Race. Oh, it's those long nights, early mornings, and roll-